Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Finding freedom. Finding freedom. And uh, we've been talking about in the series how Jesus... He has paid the ultimate price that we might be free totally and completely in every area of life. Our theme scripture for this series is John 8, 36, and it says this, that whom the Son has set free shall be free indeed. The the entire series that we have been on is talking about and discovering in every area what it means to truly be free. Did you know that Jesus, he desires your freedom Bible says in John 10, 10, that Jesus came that we may have life, zoe, abundant life. Jesus has come that we may have life to the full. That includes full and total freedom in every, in every area that we would have liberty to be who God's created us to be, to, to live life free of things that are holding us back and hindering us in any area, to be able to be and do all that God has created and called us to. Jesus desires our freedom. And we've been every week diving into God's word, pr- primarily because the Bible tells us this, that when it comes to freedom in any area, Not that there's not a process, not that it's not layered, but the starting point is always revelation. Bible says in John 8, 32, Jesus said, if if you abide in my word and my words abide in you, you will be my disciple and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Long before that was a great quote from a movie, that was in the Bible, that it's the truth of God's word. The revelation of truth that sets us free. And so I just want to encourage you, if you haven't already, that uh, you would pick up one of these books, uh, Pastor Gill, uh, which, by the way, you should tell Pastor Gill thank you and tell Pastor Gill how helpful these are. So, someone uh, after the, the first service was like, these are the greatest thing. This is helping me so much. And I said, have you told anybody? They're like, no, you should tell Pastor Gill because he worked really hard to help us put these together. But I uh, would encourage you, grab a booklet. And uh, these are great study notes to help us go even deeper. And I will actually encourage you, if you didn't get one for part one, there's kind of three different iterations of these books that you would get the part one. Uh, both of them are available for download on the website, or you can pick them up as you exit today. Uh, but would encourage you to get one of these and to even jump on the podcast um, saturate your heart with these sermons, with this word, because as the truth of God's word renews our thinking and renews our mind and revelation comes, freedom is available. Someone said amen. And so we're talking about today as we continue in our study, uh, breaking free from something that is so relevant to every single one of us. Something that all of us at some point I would say have dealt with or will deal with, and that is the fear of man. Breaking free from the fear of man. The, 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 the fear of man, what it is, it is the anxious care and concern for other people's opinion, approval, acceptance. The, the anxious care and concern of how your actions, your words, your appearance, the way you carry yourself, how your actions will, will determine somebody's reaction or action towards you. It's the anxious care and concern, the over-anxious care and concern of people's opinion and acceptance and approval of you. Really what the fear of man is, it's putting man 
in a place that only God should be. It's the false sense that man is my provider, that man is my protector, that man is the sustainer of my life. And if I'm going to make any progress in this life, and if I'm going to have doors of opportunity open to me, and if I'm going to be successful, and if, and if, and if, then I need... I need someone to do something for me. It's the over-anxious care and concern. It's putting man in a place that only God God should be. Now, why why this is such a big deal, and and maybe I'll entice you to lean in a little bit, this is such a big deal because John 10.10 does say that Jesus has come, that we would have life and life to the full. And can I tell you that that life to the full is not just a momentary experience of freedom at an altar or at a connect group, but it is when we begin to live and walk in step by step the ways of Jesus. I'm, I'm thankful for the supernatural power of God that has set me free and has delivered me and changed me and transformed me. The Bible says that the moment I say yes to Jesus, I'm a new creation in Christ. But do you know what I'm just as thankful for? I'm just as thankful for the word and the ways of Jesus. Jesus said, I, I didn't just come so you can be momentarily set. I came to provide for you an example, a GPS, if you will, how to live life in a way where you actually experience the Zoe abundant life that Jesus has, has purchased for you. Now, here, here, here's why this is such a big deal. Because Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, it's not in the notes, it's not in the book. You might want to jot it down if you care. But Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 says this, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The, f- the fear of the Lord, it's the starting point. In, in other words, I cannot walk in the ways of God. I can't walk in the ways of Jesus. I actually can't make forward progress and I can't step by step walk in his ways that lead me to life and life. I cannot do it until my starting point is the fear of the Lord. You know what's so interesting about the fear of man is it's so deceptive because so many people, including my, myself, we hear a topic like this and we think, I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll sit here, here for the sermon and I'm, I'm going to take some notes, but, you know, I'm really glad that so-and-so made it to church today because I don't really deal with this, but I, I think they really, really, really struggle with this. And I think why that happens, because as believers, sometimes we know enough of the Bible to excuse ourselves from other parts of the Bible. I'll give you an example. Proverbs 22, verse 1 says this, a good name is to be chosen above riches and silver. Proverbs 27, verse 21 says that a man's value is determined by what other people say of him. And sometimes we know enough of the scripture that we can take a subject like the fear of man and we can put it over here and go, no, I don't struggle with the fear of man. I'm not bound by, I don't have any issues with the fear of man. I'm just a person of wisdom. And I, I just, listen, I've, I've come to understand some things in my life, in my profession, in my years, that like, I'm not bound by the fear of man. It's just that, you know, a good name, a good reputation, and all of a sudden, disguised as wisdom, we start being overly concerned. We start living with an anxious care and concern all the time for the opinion, approval, acceptance of of others. I, I'm not great at math. Maybe you are. My, my, my wife is the mathematician. 
But I can count high enough that I know this, that Proverbs 1 is before Proverbs 22 and 27. So, so while I should have care and concern for my reputation and for my character, and, and while it is true that, 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 that the Bible says, hey, let another man's lips praise you, not your own, and, and you should have care what other people think, that, that Proverbs 1 comes first, and the Bible says the beginning of wisdom, it's always the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord and the fear of man, they are at opposite ends. You cannot live, we're going to see today, you cannot live in both worlds at the same time. The fear of man is the antithesis, the opposite of the fear of God. And I want to have a fear of the Lord that I might find myself at the starting point of a life lived in wisdom, in the ways of Jesus that bring me the life I actually really want. Luke chapter 12 I think that's a long enough introduction. Let's go to the scripture. Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 4. We're going to kind of uh, look at the words of Jesus, and we're going to look at this thing holistically, and then we're going to go to Proverbs 29 and uh, see how this makes, uh, makes itself applicable in our everyday life. But Jesus says this, uh, Luke 12, verse 4, he says, And I say to you, my friends, he's, he's talking to his friends. He's talking to you and I, his disciples. I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that, have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. We have to contextualize this, this a little bit and realize that Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to his friends, all of whom which will, will end up losing their life for the sake of the gospel. We, we have the, the luxury, the benefit, the blessing, praise God for our religious freedom. And we gotta keep praying and believing God and doing our part as the missionaries or the ambassadors of Christ for our world so we can maintain our religious freedom. But, but we have the luxury of not really seeing this maybe the way they saw it because this was, this was real to them. Many would and many have and many continue today to still lose their life for the sake of Christ, for the sake of the gospel. And, and Jesus says, I say to you, my friends, don't be afraid of those who kill the body, but after have no more they, they can do. No, I, I'm, I'm saying rather, you should fear him whom after he's killed, not that God is the one killing, but after you have seeing the other side of eternity, has the power to cast into hell. Yes, I say, fear him. What is Jesus doing? Jesus is saying, let's look at this holistically. Man, he can impact you and affect you momentarily and temporarily. Now, praise the Lord that we serve a God who is a good, gracious, loving, heavenly father. Can I get an amen? How many of you are thankful for the good, good father? Praise God that we serve a good God who he cares about our momentary, temporary circumstance enough that he's given us promises, the Bible says all of which are yes and amen, and he cares about right here, right now. But Jesus' point is, don't, don't fear man who can only momentarily and temporarily impact and affect your life. No, rather, holistically, you should fear the Lord who is the creator and the originator of all the earth. And while he is a good, good 
Father. He's also the righteous judge of the earth. And we will all, Paul says, stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account to him for what we have done or have not done in this body. He says, truly, our fear, our reverence, our honor, it should be for, for the Lord. Now, Brandon, how does this impact me like Monday, Monday through Friday? Proverbs 29, verse 25. I want to go here and this will frame in uh, the, the rest of our teaching this morning. Proverbs 29, 25 says this. The fear of man. Fear of man, remember the anxious care and concern. Maybe you've never dealt with this, but I know I have. The anxious care and concern. What other people think, other people's opinion, perspective, approval. Living a life that is dictated and determined based on what I think others may say or do based on what I say or do. This false sense that man is the one who's determining whether that door will open or that door will stay closed. The Bible says the fear of man is a, well, it's a snare. It's a trap. It's a trap. This word snare in the original language, it does mean trap, but it describes a trap that's actually deceptive or elusive. It's one that you can't see. See, that's the thing about the fear of man. And that's why so often we're like, that's a great topic. I just don't need it because I don't struggle with it, is that it's so deceptive. The Bible says the fear of man brings a snare. It traps you holds you, binds you. However, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. If you're taking notes or if you have your, your, your notebook, you already know, but the title of this sermon today is Breaking Free from the Fear of Man. And I want to pray. I want to ask God that he would give us revelation into his word, but also into our own life. And then uh, we're, we're, we're going to get busy with this text. So let's pray. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the power of your word. God, I pray for every heart that is present today that in these moments there will be a sobriety that your word is more than just mere facts and information about, about you historically, but God, because you live, your word lives today. That your word speaks real time to our everyday situation and circumstance, that your word has the power to transform our life. Lord, I pray today for a fresh, open receptivity, not to a preacher or a sermon, but to the power of your word. Holy Spirit, do what I cannot and give wisdom and revelation to every single person where they are in their life, that they may find complete and total freedom in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen, amen. Um, you don't have to raise your hands uh, because I know that sometimes the uh, group participation isn't the best, so uh, I'll save myself the embarrassment. Um, but... Uh, have you ever looked up to someone before? You ever had someone in your life that you really aspired to be like? You, you, you look up to them. You know, it, it's kind of an odd thing. And I was telling some, someone this this week. It's kind of an odd thing for me to uh, lead our TEK campus and, and, and to stand up here and, and even do what I'm doing, doing today and delivering God's word because there's so many people in our congregation, many of which I'm looking at right now, like a doctors Bill and Tony Morgan, that I think, oh, why aren't you the one speaking? I so aspire and look up to and want to be more like you. We, we all have people that we, we look up to, right? One of the people that I've always looked up to, particular in this area, is uh, my dad, our senior pastor, pa Pastor Gill. Uh, my dad, one of the things that I've always known or, or I've always seen demonstrated is that my dad is a man of character and integrity, 
I, I'm not saying there's not, but I've never met anyone or, or, or known anyone relationally that, that has more character or more integrity than our senior pastor, Pastor Gil. My whole life, my whole life since as long as I, I can remember, I've watched my dad always strive to do the right thing at no matter the cost. It doesn't matter if it costs more money. doesn't matter if it costs more time. doesn't matter if it's going to put me on the wrong end of a relationship or a situation. I'm going to have to, have, have to eat the bill, so to speak. I'm going to live integrous and righteous before the Lord. Is he a perfect man? No, but, but to me, he's been someone that's always demonstrated for me this character and integrity. And especially in the last five, six, six years, um, I've, I've really seen qualities that I admire about my dad when, when it comes to our kids. Um, we have three kids, you, many of you know, Evelyn, Brooklyn, and Graham, f- six, four, and two. And um, when, when I watch my dad with our kids, I'm always so challenged because he's such a good grandpa. Now, um, I'm going to justify myself a little bit and say I'm fully aware that he only sees my kids like two to three hours a week. And I got to see them 24-7. Can I get an amen from all the parents in the house? But, but, but I watch the way that my dad is with our kids. And, and I know this is, you know, would, would be bad parenting if I did this. But, but, but it's always yes with grandpa. Hey, can we get a snack? Absolutely you can. Hey, can, can we have ice cream? That sounds like a great idea. Hey, can, can we go on an adventure outside? My parents live, they have a wooded backyard and a pond. And they like to adventure. Let's go on an adventure. Let, let, let's do it. Uh, in particular, I don't know how you are with food, but when I get hungry, please do not come in between me and my food. But, but my dad can have been at a long day in meetings, do, you know, at, at the office, and, and comes home, and, and we'll, we'll, do, we'll do family dinner, and my son will sit in his lap, and I'll, and I'll watch my dad. He'll kind of wait to eat. Everyone's already eating. Everyone's already indulging in whatever the meal is. But he's waiting to eat because it doesn't matter if it's the same thing. My son wants his food, not his food. And so I, like, I've, like, I've watched my dad. Like, my dad loves any kind of hot, spicy stuff. I've watched my dad go, I'm not going to put any hot sauce on this. My, my son has a little bit, bit of a dairy allergy. And so my dad will, like, not put any dairy on his food because he just, he loves Graham in his lap getting to enjoy his meal. And I watch my dad, and then I go home and lose my mind with my kids and think, God, why can't I be more like my dad? I want to be more like him. Real time yesterday, uh, my daughter, and it wasn't her fault, but it was her fault. She, we had this like retractable leash for our dog, and she, she wanted to walk the dog in the house. So she put this retractable leash on the dog. Well, she, she dropped it, and the noise startled our, our, our dog, and he did a figure eight around our dining room table in between every chair, in between every, you know, part of this table. And as soon as it caught, every chair like dominoes is flipping and flying every which way, and the table shifting. And I'm, I'm, I'm currently losing my mind thinking about the sermon like, ah, I want to be more like my dad. And, and I think about that because there's different people in the Bible that I really look up to you. I don't know if you have favorite Bible characters, but there's different men and the women in the Bible that I read about their stories. Remember, they're not characters. They're real people. They they are real men and women just like you and I who, who made decision after decision after decision. I heard someone recently say, they said, remember, the Bible is not so much a book about destiny, but rather about decisions. Bible is not just a collection of stories about these great people that experience great destiny. Really, it's a collection 
of, of stories and examples of men and women just like you and I who just made decisions to say yes to Jesus, who just made decisions to, to follow God, and their decisions led to, led to destiny. And I read about men like Daniel, like Joseph, who, who were, were sold into slavery. D- different cir- circumstance in, in each of the stories, but you look at a man like Daniel, like Joseph, who, who when we talk about the fear of man, they're literally in bondage. They're literally in slavery where probably way more than you and I are experiencing right now, other people, rulers, guards, who have the power and ability to end their life on a moment's notice, that, that their life is, in, is impacted directly, yet both of them, they, they paint for us pictures in the Bible of men who simply said, I will not fear man, I'll fear the Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to fear and walk in the, I'm going to walk in the fear of the Lord. And there's stories for us, there's stories where we get to see the power of God, the favor of God, the supernatural opening of doors and opportunities and how God can use a life that just simply says, I will not fear man, I will fear the Lord. But why is it do we not often make traction or we're able to live like, say, a Daniel or a Joseph? Well, I'm going to give you two thoughts right, right up front. And the first one is this. If you're taking notes or you have your notes, it's simply this, that number one, it's because the fear of man, it snares you to man. You, you ever done a three-legged race before? I've never done a three-legged race. But, but, but I get the picture, though. And and it seems like it is more difficult to go, to move, to, to run when you are tied to somebody else. What the fear of man does is it snares you, it ties you, it holds you to the opinion, perspective, approval, acceptance of man. It makes you weigh all of your decisions. It makes you weigh your, your life and how you think and how you carry yourself and what you do and do not do and how you prioritize. It makes you weigh everything through this lens. What will people say? What will people think? Maybe you, you don't care about people's opinion and so that, that, that's not what it is for you, but, but maybe it's how, how will this affect my, my career though? I know God says this, but how will this impact and affect me trying to get to this certain spot? Ah, how is this going to impact me financially? Because, and all of a sudden, we, we don't even realize it, but the fear of man, it has us bound to the opinions, approval, acceptance of other people. And what it does, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down, second thought this morning. It doesn't just snare you to man, but it snares you away from from God. In, in other words, you can say it like this. It keeps you at arm's length. Have you ever felt like you, you weren't able to be the fullest version of you? You ever been in a cir- circumstance, a situation? You ever been maybe a season of life where there's so much more in you, but you feel like you can't really be the, the real you? You know, th- this is what the fear of man does because for those of us who have said yes to Jesus, let's, let's recognize one, one thing, that the moment we said yes and we put our faith in Christ, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that we have become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now, he, Hebrews 10, 14 says this, because we're a new creation and we're in Christ, by one sacrifice, by one offering, we've been forever perfected in his sight, although we are still 
being made whole. Even though we're still a work in progress because we're in Christ, we're a new creation, we have a new spirit, we have a new identity, and we're now the righteousness of God. And here's what happens, because that's the real you now. We, we want to, we desire to, the real us wants to honor God and wants to say yes to Jesus and wants to be pure and wants to be integrous and wants to make decisions based on what God's word says. It's just that we can't, we, we can't seem to, to reach, to grasp the real me. Why? Because we're bound by the fear of man. Galatians 1.10 says this, Paul's writing, and he says, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men. For if I still pleased man, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Paul articulating for us, you can't live in both worlds. Paul articulating for us the internal dilemma some of us feel when I want to honor and serve and follow Jesus with all of my heart. But I just, I, I can't, see. well, it's because the Bible tells us the fear of man, it, it snares us to others and, and away from God. The Bible says this in John chapter, John chapter 12, 12, I believe it is. It says, nevertheless, among the rulers, many believed in him. Pause real, real quick. Talking about the religious leaders, the rulers of the day. The Bible says many of them believed in him. Many of them were watching and listening and seeing the demonstration and feeling the conviction or the nudging of the Spirit of God. And many of them said, he, I, I, I don't know, I don't know what you think, but he's, he is the way. He is the Messiah. He's the one that we've been hoping for. He's the one that we've been waiting for. He, he, he is the fulfillment of all of the law and the prophets. They believed in him. Nevertheless, it says, but because of the Pharisees, because of the fear of man, because of the snare, the trap that is the fear of man, they did not confess him openly, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. You know who I think is a great example? I think that Peter is a great example. Pastor Gil preached on this a couple of weeks ago when he's talking about the different layers of pride. But, but you can go to Luke 22 and you can read the story. And Peter is a great example for us because we see in one instance him passionately vehemently swearing, I will never forsake you, Jesus. I will never deny you. Never, ever, 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 ever cross my heart. Hope I will never, ever do anything to betray you. I will lay my life down for you. Yet hours later, Peter is in a conversation with, with people. Now, let's sing him for a second. He's, he's watched his, his Messiah, his, he's watched Jesus be arrested and he's possibly with, with an eye shot, ear shot of watching what is about to take place. What happens, the fear of man grips him on the inside. And even though he passionately, this is, I mean, this, this is the real Peter right here. And even though he's passionate, I will never. He finds himself over here denying with the same amount of passion he swore to Jesus, denying him on three, 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 three separate occasions. I, I don't know if you can relate, um, but I sure can. Mo moments, maybe, 
in a service like this, at a camp or a conference, maybe in the morning or in the evening, spending time with God, maybe driving into work and listening to a message or just having a moment where you swear with everything you have, God, I'll give it all for you. God, I, I will lay my, I will say yes to whatever you ask me to do. I will go. There's no cost too great. And then hours later, days later, in the midst of circumstance, situation, maybe you didn't see coming. Everything you passionately swore, God, I'll give it all. You see fading in, into the distance as you, as you do what you don't really want to do. Why? Because the fear of man it's not just something, ah, yeah, I, you know, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of a people pleaser. No, it's not a personality thing. It's a, it's a spirit that grips us, that holds us, that binds us, and it puts us in this, this trap where I want to serve and honor and fear the Lord, but, but, but I, I just can't seem to make progress. Number three, you've taken notes. You could jot this down. It doesn't just affect us individually, but number three, the fear of man, it snares others through you. In other words, maybe a different way to say it would, would be that you start projecting that on all the relationships you have. You start projecting that on, on, on people. Like, this, so just real quick pro tip. This would not be the point in the sermon, especially if you're a husband, to nudge your wife and say, amen, that's, good. that's not, not the point of the sermon, okay? Do not do that. But, like, have you ever met someone that's controlling? You, you, ever, you ever met someone that just seems like relationally, they're always trying to control people and control situations, maybe even trying to manipulate? It's the fear of man. It, it's not your type A personality. It's not your, it's the fear of man. Hey, I, I have to control and I have to make sure that everyone and everyone fits into, be, because I'm, I'm, so, I'm so bound on the inside. By the opinion perspective, I, just, I, I don't know if I could even live if, or, or there should, there, there should, not should be, there is so many variations of this, but, but another one just for convenience sake is, have you ever met someone that just holds people at arm's length? Someone that just doesn't let people too close? Someone that always stays relationally just hanging, hanging on the surface. You know what's so funny is when we're bound by the fear of man, the very thing that we crave relationally, we withhold from those closest to us. We, we crave this intimate connection relationally. We, we crave to be loved and to love. We crave vulnerability. We crave these life-giving, authentic, genuine relationships. But because we are bound by the fear of man, we often withhold and reject the, the thing that we most crave on the inside. Why? Because we're bound by the fear of man. So, so many different examples and variations, but, but the bottom line is that John 10.10 is telling the truth. That the thief... The enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. You know what the fear of man really does? It robs you and I blind. It robs you and I blind of the joy of life. I was meeting with someone just this past week, and not because I was preaching this sermon, but it just came up. And simultaneously, this over-obsession, this anxious care and concern for what people are thinking and their approval and their perspective and how 
what I do, this, just this, this fear of man, just, it just came up. And simultaneously, they, they, they said, I just want to get to a point in life where I can just enjoy life. Fear of man robs us, doesn't it? We, we, we actually can't just enjoy and receive and even recognize the joy and the blessing and the life-giving things, relationships, people that God has put right in front of us because we are so overly concerned at all times, always measuring whether or not, how, how, how will this impact me? How, it, it, it robs us. It's, it's, it robs us of our ability to really be who we want to be. You, you ever socially been in a situation where you're just so nervous that you, you can't really be like the, the real you? I remember I, I got offered to go on this, this awesome trip uh, after my senior year of high school to, to go uh, sp- spend a week in Seattle, Washington, and spend time with uh, some pastors and some leaders that I really looked up to. And I, I look back on that trip thinking, I wish I could have had fun. I wish I could have enjoyed the blessing that trip was, but I was so nervous. I was so bound by the fear. I, don't, I, I, just, I, I, I was so overly concerned, wanting to make sure that every, it, it, it robs you of, of the you you really want to be. It robs you of relationship. Really, we can just boil it down to this, the, the fear of man. It robs you of the blessing of God. I'm going to read you one last scripture, and we'll close right here. But Jeremiah 17, 5, 1 to verses 5 through 8, it says this. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. What a great definition for us this morning of the fear of man. One who who puts all this trust and confidence in man, who's made flesh, who's made man his provider, his protector, his sustainer. Like, like, you, you know what's so interesting to me? It's not interesting. It's, it, it, it's frustrating. But I, for years, been, been a youth pastor now for cl- close to 12 years. And, and, and do, do you know a trend that, that I have seen? I'm sorry that I'm rabbit trailing a little bit, but do you know a trend that I've seen? Is that passionate freshmen, sophomore, and juniors who are passionate, on fire for, for God. That not, not all of them, but, but this trend I've seen where something shifts their, their senior year, where, where they start getting all of this encouragement and all of this guidance and all this, and they start feeling all this, all this pressure. And what they do is they take on this, this fear of man. And, and they, they'd start developing this mindset, maybe some of, you, some of us, maybe we still struggle with it to this day, that they start measuring everything they do based on, is this going to get me into the college I, I wanna get into? Hey, I, I can't really like be devoted to God anymore because I gotta make sure I got these 17 things I have to do and nails because I, what, sh- sh- should we? Be, be wise and diligent and should we absolutely we should operate with excellence but the point that I'm trying to make and the thing that I want us to see is we still operate like this today where we start going I can't really honor and be devoted and follow Jesus because I need some doors to open I need some opportunities to present themselves 
I, I, I need some people. I need my boss. I need the manager. I need, I need, I need the, and, and all of a sudden we, we start thinking, man is the one that opens doors for me. Oh yeah, promotion comes from my boss. Oh yeah, yeah, promotion and the next level of my success and my ability to thrive and flourish, it comes from, and we forget that Psalm 75 says, verse five through seven says, don't lift your horn on high and don't have, have a stiff neck, but remember that promotion, promotion comes from neither the east nor the west, but it comes from the Lord. That God is the judge and God sets one up and God puts another one down. I think it's Proverbs 21.1. Don't quote me, Google it. But, but I think it's Proverbs 21.1 that says, remember the heart of the king is in the Lord's hand. And he steers it wherever he wishes. In other words, you, you, you think it's, it's your boss. You think it's your manager. You think, the heart of your boss, your manager, the person that you think I gotta please them I have to live up to their approval and expectation because they hold the Bible. Says, no, 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 the heart of the king, it's in God's hand. And God steers it wherever he wishes. One of my favorite stories in the Bible, and this is not, not in the notes, I apologize for, for sidetracking for a minute, but one of my favorite stories in the Bible is King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel chapter four, he is high and mighty. He, he's really feeling himself. And he's like, I, I'm, I'm the greatest and all that you see is because of me. And, and we don't have time to unpack the story, but, but God humbles him. And in one moment, he's exalted. I'm the king of all. Look at all that my hand has done. And the next moment, he is absolutely clinically insane, naked in the field, eating grass like an animal. And, and I, I, think, I think it's Daniel, Daniel 417. Again, don't quote me, Google me. I think it's Daniel 4, 17, where the, the Bible says, all of this was so that you may know, King Nebuchadnezzar, God still reigns and rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whoever he, do not buy into the lie, the deception, your future, someone's, no. All of this was done that you may know that it might be eternally set in God's word that all would be able to see when they're facing a difficult circumstance, when they feel like they're in a moment of compromise and they don't want to compromise, but they don't know what it's going to, that they can see God still rules and reigns in the kingdoms of men. And he gives it to whoever he wishes. Jeremiah 17 5 says, thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, for his heart has departed from the Lord. Verse 6, for he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. In other words, the fear of man, it robs you of the blessing of God. But Verse seven, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Why? Because trust, confidence in God, that is the antithesis. That is the opposite. That is what opposes the fear of man to say, I do not fear man. No, my trust and my confidence is in the one who is the creator and the original originator, the one who has no limitation, the one whom through all things, my confidence is in God. Blessed is the man 
whose trust is in the Lord. He shall be like a tree planted by waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, but his leaf will be green, and he will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will he cease from yielding fruit. I'll tell you, no longer do I want the fear of man to rob me of the blessing of God. No longer do I want to be held and hindered from fully being me because I'm snared to man. No longer do I want to feel like I'm at arm's length from the person I really want to be because I'm snared by the fear of man. No longer do I want dysfunctional, toxic relationships and environments because I'm bound by the, no, I want, I want freedom. So how, 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 how do we do that? What's the answer? Well, well twofold. And we'll close right here. N- number one, um, we have to be willing to receive freedom, healing, and ministry. You, you can't always take care of a spiritual thing with practical, physical solutions. The book of James says, confess your trespass one to another. I know, I know, I know, pastor. So you can be forgiven. False. First John 1, 9, confess your, your sin to God and he will forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. But James says, confess your trespass one to another. What is that, like some weird accountability group at Panera Bread? No, 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 it's, it's being open and honest and vulnerable, humble enough to on a Sunday morning, as the band is playing and we're, we're dismissing, to say, hey, I'm gonna, I, can, can, I, can I actually meet you at the car? I'm, 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 I actually need to go and receive prayer being humble enough to have a conversation with a friend, with a pastor, leader to go, hey, I'm, I'm all twisted up on the inside. I'm, I'm, I'm bound by this stuff. I don't want to be like this. I don't want to live like this anymore. The Bible says, confess your trespass one to another that you may be healed. What, what, what do I do? Well, first, we got to receive healing. We got to receive freedom, receive ministry by being humble enough to say, God, I need you. I cannot do in my own ability, what you can do. So God, I, I need you. I would encourage you this morning that as we dismiss, you would take the extra five minutes and you come to the altar and say, hey, will you pray for me? I'm, I'm, like, I'm not positive, but I think I may have, have some of this in my heart and I don't, I don't want to live like this anymore. So secondly, this is more practical. You just start making decisions every day. Again, led and empowered by the spirit of God to trust God. You start taking authority according to God's word of your thinking. You're taking authority of, the Bible says, to take every thought captive and make it obey Christ. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not entertaining this thought. No, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even going to wrestle with I don't even need to pray about this. God, your word says this. And I'm going to trust you. Why? Because I fear you because I'm, I'm not anxiously cared and concerned because you've already said I'm loved and accepted and approved and I'm righteous before you. But I do care and I am concerned because I want to honor you. I want to walk in your ways. I want to stand before you. I want to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Paul, Paul says, just know we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for the things done in in the body, the Apostle Paul himself, the certainly not the originator, but the architect in Scripture of the gospel and, and, and of grace and 
the love and acceptance. And Paul himself said, I make it my aim to do everything I can to please and honor God because I'm so aware of his reality and that I will stand. You just start making decisions saying, I'm, I'm gonna, one foot in front of the other, I'm gonna trust God. Can I ask you what area of your life today can, can you just make that decision to trust God? To, again, today could be the starting point of a life lived in wisdom, a life lived free from the fear of man, a life lived in the ways, the will, the word of God, because you're no longer snared. It's putting one foot in front of the other and saying, okay, if the opposite of, 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 of fear of man is simply just to trust God, that's Proverbs 29, 25, isn't it? The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever would trust in the Lord will be safe. Be safe from what? Be safe from the trap. Be safe from the snare that holds you and binds you. We just have to begin to trust God. One step, one decision at a time. Remember, this is a book primarily about decisions, not just one step at a time, one decision at a time. I'm taking my thoughts captive and saying, nope, this will not be entertained. I fear you, God, and therefore I will one foot in front of the other trust you follow you and begin to honor and revere you in my heart more than I honor and revere what man can I don't know I'm fearing the Lord can I pray for you God I thank you today in the name of Jesus that as your word has gone forth you really are speaking to every heart and every life and I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would continue to give everyone under the sound of my voice wisdom and revelation into their life, into their heart, into their circumstance, to see any and every area where where you wanna set them free. And I pray little by little, the truth of your word would give them revelation and set them free. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, the spirit of the fear of man would be broken off of everyone under the sound of my voice this morning and that we would be a people that would fear the Lord for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.